travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to another episode of Talk Travel Asia. I'm here once again with my partner, Scott Coates, and our special guest. Hi, Trevor. How are you doing? Good. Thanks, Scott. Where are you? I'm here in Bangkok. Where are you? I am in my condo in Kuala Lumpur as usual and uh, pretty excited about this episode because it kind of goes back to almost my early, early roots in Bangkok because our guest today is Greg Jorgensen. He's originally from Calgary, Alberta or just outside and many years ago, I think maybe in 2000 or 2001, he actually came on a trip with the travel company I helped co-found, Smiling Obino. He then took on a teaching job in Thailand and sort to stayed and he went on to do corporate team building, became pretty well-known writer, editor. Uh, now he works in online travel and despite him always denying it, he absolutely knows probably the broadest variety of people almost that anyone in the city knows and he became quite a Bangkok guru. He has a, a website, gregtodiffer.com that a lot of people go to and Lonely Planet actually um, listed in their last edition. He had Bangkok podcast which went on for a couple of years and he's super active in Twitter and tweet ups and all kinds of technology stuff. So when we thought, let's talk technology shaping travel, who better to have than Greg? So welcome, Greg. Thanks, guys. I'm glad to be here. And uh, of course, Scott, none of that would have been would have been possible if I hadn't come here and met you. So. Well, thanks. That's awfully nice. And where are you tonight? I'm at my condo in Bangkok as well, just like Trevor, but I'm on the other side of the river, which I like to call the Brooklyn of Bangkok, because when you say you live on the other side of the river... Uh, people generally go, ooh, yeah, I won't be coming over there anytime soon. Like the other side of the tracks, kind of. Yeah, is it Brooklyn? Pretty much, or, yeah. is, it, is it Brooklyn or is it New Jersey that you live over there in? Uh, I've, I've actually never been to New York, so I'm, I'm willing to take take cues hey, from other people. You know, I, I didn't know your history that you came over here with the Smiling Albino Tour. That's pretty interesting. Hmm. You didn't? No. Oh, yeah, yeah. I came in, uh, I think, in June of 2001. Wow. And uh, I had only, I had never met Dan and I had only met Scott. Oh no! I, I had met them both very quickly in Canada on 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 a on a, on a like a uh, show they were doing, and uh, I said, "Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll see you in uh, I'll see you in Bangkok next year. I'm going to do one of your trips." And they said, "Okay, great. Looking forward to it." Uh, they probably heard that a million times and never never saw the person again. But a year later, there I was, uh, heat stroking my way through my first day in Bangkok, and uh, I have never left. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. And when I I can remember. Uh, hosting a travel show in Calgary, you know, showing slides and telling people about how magnificent our tours were. And, and you were just this strange guy there going, yeah, I'll see you in a year. And I thought, all right. And then the next year did a travel show and you're like, yeah, I signed up. And I was like, holy mackerel. And, and here we are friends all these years later. So I think what you accomplished is, is, is amazing. And the fact that you've become this well-knowing guy and kind of the go-to guy for stuff info on on Bangkok is is why we called you in again and the the mere fact is travel in our let's say we've all been in Asia for 13 years some of us near 15 whatever but around that time things have changed dramatically I remember when I first moved to Thailand I bought a pager of all things and I thought that was super cool (laughs) we had dial-up internet I remember and this little 
program came out called dial pad and it said you could make a free call and i remember i did make a call and it actually worked to san francisco and now you know with two thousand bucks hop on a plane you can be pretty much anywhere in 24 hours you've got 3g connections you know along the mekong river on the lao cambodia border there's apps to help you with travel things have changed a lot so so that's what we're going to talk about today i think yeah, they sure have changed. And I remember when I came over here, I thought instead of emailing everyone, which is still kind of kind of new, people were still just settling into email, becoming the de facto way that people communicated back in 2001. Um, but I, I figured, like, I'm going to go one step further and make a website. And I had to explain to a few people how it would work. And I remember there's this website called homestead.com, and you could you could sort of claim your domain, and your domain would be homestead.com slash whatever. Mine was slash Bangkok. And, uh, oh no, slash Thailand. And I made my own little website and I used to spend hours a day putting pictures on there and everything so everyone could go and see what I was doing. But I think the only people that looked at it were my mom and maybe two or three curious friends every once in a while. But, uh, still back then that was, uh, I mean, that was about as cutting edge as you could get. Not, not even talking about Twitter or Facebook or anything like these things yet. That's awesome. So that was, was that when it was the interweb? (laughs) Pretty much (laughs) one corner of the interwebs. Yeah. Yeah. But this is all pretty interesting because we all moved over here to to Southeast Asia, like Scott said, about 13 years ago. And, and we all became sort of experts in, in the region and travel and whatnot. But but all this technology kind of developed while we were here and while we were in, involved in, in traveling and exploring the region. And I know that Scott recently, uh, when he was doing the Asia Pacific Leadership Program in Hawaii, wrote a paper on uh, the digitization of travel. And that was, it was a series, wasn't it, Scott? Yeah, I had to do a project and I didn't really have a topic I was you know, passionate about to do something long. And then uh, I thought travel and then I thought, well, interview, you know, 15 people. And I think both you guys were interviewed for it and about different aspects of technology and how it's changed travel. And uh, yeah, it's amazing. You know, one of the, I remember one of the first times I was really kind of knocked out by new technology was maybe three, four years ago, Greg had a party at his house and I knew what Twitter was, but I don't think I'd ever used it. And I started talking to this girl at the party and I'm like, oh, how do you know Greg? Because I'd never met her. And she's like, oh, I don't. I just met him tonight. I'm like, hang on. What are you talking about? And she literally followed Greg on Twitter. And I believe she lived in the States and knew he was having a party that night. And I'm assuming asked if she could come. But through Twitter, she got she knew him, knew there was a party and turned up. And I was just like, whoa, what a wild way to end up at a party on the other side of the world. It, it just kind of blew my mind. <laughs> I, I, I vaguely remember that, but I can't remember who it was. I wish I could, but it, it sounds about right. Um, and that's happened a couple of different times to me. Actually, actually, uh, uh, a, buddy, um, a buddy that I now know in, the, in Canada, his name's Derek, he, uh, he met me in Bangkok because there used to be an app that you could find out who was sending tweets near to you. Yeah, based on your proximity. And he was in Bangkok and he just sort of said, who's doing what? And he saw this one tweet that I sent out from this uh, tweet up, this uh, party that I was at for Twitter people in Bangkok. And he was nearby. So he's like, oh, that sounds interesting. I'll come by. And uh, he came by and we started talking and he met a bunch of people and we've stayed in touch all these years. And that continues to this day. And I sort of held a, a tweet up party um, with a friend of mine. We, we sort of co-organized it every few months. And uh, a few months ago, we were sitting there waiting for our first guests to show up. And this couple walked through the door that we hadn't seen before. And they were from Vancouver. And again, saw the thing advertised on Twitter and decided to stop by. So uh, it's, it's, it's a, really, a really valid way to get information you know, right from the source. 
Yeah, wild. Well, it's a really good way to meet people as well. Like you were saying, like on Twitter, people can follow you if you're, say, an expert in Bangkok or, or a certain region or something. And the next thing that we were going to talk about as well was couch surfing. And couch surfing, I think, is also something that that is a really useful tool for like finding a place to stay and stuff. But it's also part of like a big community. Um, I don't know if either of you guys have tried couch surfing before, but when I was living in, in Ho Chi Minh City part-time, my roommate, who is a Vietnamese-American, he moved to Bali when I was in Bali as well. And he was part of this big couch surfing community that had parties like almost every week, I think. And it was all <laughs> the the hosts. All the hosts would get together and whomever they happened to, to be hosting would also get to meet everybody and meet each other. And and so it was more than just a resource. It was It's a social community, like in, in real life, not just online. Wow, that's pretty cool. I have no, I know what it is, but no experience. Greg, have you ever couch surfed? I have not. No, not officially. I've stayed at friends' couches before, but I've never used the uh, website. Um, but uh, it definitely sounds similar to a lot of these other services. You know, like it's not just a medium of communication; it's a community of people that you automatically, immediately belong to, and you have access to all these people. It's sort of like you meet all these new people, and you automatically have at least a couple of things in common. Usually, it's travel. Uh, you have technology in common, you have, you know, shared interests and stuff. So you're, it's almost like you've got a, a, a sort of like a pre-approved friend list waiting for you. Yeah, that's the so, thing I was thinking is you're not only getting a couch, but the bigger thing is you're getting a guaranteed buddy, right? Unless you absolutely don't get along. I mean, clearly the person offering their couch wants to meet people from somewhere else and so do you. So the couch is almost the secondary piece of it. The most important part is you're you're getting to hang out with someone at their house. That's pretty neat that I don't think I'd be willing to actually open my door to someone I don't know at all. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, me neither. Maybe I'm a little bit old school. Or, I think that's it too. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a younger generation thing because I, I stopped in the Philippines overnight and so I went on couch surfing and we found, uh, I was with a friend, my friend Josh, and he and I stopped in the Philippines and, and this group of 20-somethings, they, they, they didn't even have a couch either of us could fit on. We, we slept on the floor, so it was floor surfing really. But the floor point was, awesome. but, but they, they had a car and they took us out and they, they showed us a good time and, and real like hospitality and we were really impressed by just how nice and cool and friendly they were to show us around their town you know we the floor is fine i don't need a couch <laughs> if you drink enough it is yeah. <laughs> now greg i know you have been involved in something but i really don't know much more about it than you have been involved in some sort of walking tour app so what is this and this is what is this you're doing what's it all about oh yeah my friends uh, bessie and kyle they used to live in myanmar and then they moved here for a while and we hung out uh, on and off for several years here they started a, a, an app where you uh, basically download the app on your phone and you turn on your GPS and you follow a map that tells you, sort of you, like you look at the map on your phone right. and you follow the line that tells you where to go. But at the same time, you listen to the audio hmm. and the audio is put together by the person who made the maps and who put these tours together. And while you're walking, they're like, this building on the left was built in 14, blah, 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 whatever. And um, basically you get sort of like a tour of a neighborhood led virtually led by by the person who put these tours together and it's got information and pictures uh, all on the phone and you can listen to audio as well and pause and and rewind and stuff if you'd like to so they asked me if i'd like to do one for bangkok hmm. and i and i said yeah so um it, it was it was actually supposed to go out a long time ago but um certain setbacks and laziness on my part uh pushed us back a few months but it's it's kind of like that and i have four tours ready to go four uh 
four. Uh, yeah, we're going to start out with that and see how things go. There's no guarantee that this that this will this will take off, but it'll be interesting to see what the reception is. So to make um, make sure I, I get this, like with my smartphone, I can go to an app store or marketplace. I can buy this thing and download Bangkok's Old City or something. Yeah, although I have to say it's not available right now. We're just putting the final touches on it. Hopefully, in the next few weeks, it'll go out. Right. Um, the political bank situation in Bangkok is a bit uncertain right now, so it might not be the best time to start pushing this. So that's sort of touch and go as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when it's done, uh, you will be able to download it and you know, you'll pick this tour. For instance, there's one called um, A Walk on the Wild Side, and it starts at Plunchit BTS station. So you go to Plunchit BTS station, mm-hmm. you open up the app, and it says, okay, then there's my voice. Sorry about that, but that's what you have to listen to. Oh, you're silky and, smooth. Uh, oh, thank you very much. And it says, uh, yeah, take exit number one. Uh, where you are right now is here and here and here. Uh, this is where you're situated in Bangkok, and you walk 200 meters. And as you're walking, I'm filling you in b- b- about the area and why it is like it is and the history of it. And turn right at this building. An interesting note about this building is, uh, you know, back, uh, for instance, on one of the buildings on this particular tour uh, was Bangkok's first ice factory. Yeah. And it's now a really, a really funky um, nightclub bar drinking establishment thing um but back in the day it's where bob hope used to stop by during his uso tours <laughs> and before that like i said it was a, an ice factory um so it's, it's all this crazy history that you just sort of hear snippets of as you, while you live in bangkok and i kind of tried to pull all those together into one sort of story and uh put together a route where you could walk around and see some of bangkok's um, biggest sort of busiest areas and maybe a few of the wider areas that maybe regular tourists wouldn't see walking around on their own and tied them all together with a bit of a story. And you can sort of hear all that in the headphones as you walk along and follow on the map. See, I think I, I think that's pretty cool too. Yeah, because like there are a bunch of other styles of apps like that that I've heard of where you can get like expert video or audio about a, a, a local or expat's favorite neighborhood or something in a certain place but that's one of the cool things about the digitization of travel you know like you you can't carry around like 20 history books and guidebooks and stuff like that but you can download a bunch of different apps onto your smartphone and then try them all out and find out which one you like or which one works for you and then you can use that again for like a different neighborhood or a different city yeah yeah it's I, i can't wait to see it and i've never tried one but i'd love to try one and you know, even one step simpler than that, but I still find incredibly useful are just Google Maps. I remember being in Hong Kong, say, five, six years ago. I didn't have a local SIM card, so I still don't know how this worked because I didn't have data. But I needed to find my appointment. I opened my phone, and it showed me on Google Maps where I was, and I walked and followed it to my appointment. The same thing in Vancouver, and it's it's that little tool is unbelievable to think of back it wasn't that long ago that we needed a paper map and to actually know which way was north and now you just crack out this little map and see yourself blinking and follow it like that on its own to me changes the game huge yeah i totally agree i mean as a travel writer lots of my times i'm exploring and the, the Google Maps like totally, not only totally, tells you yeah, where you so. are, but but it gives you a rough idea of where you need to go, whether it is just north, south, east, or west, or whether or not like that road that you're on is going to dead end, or you know, there's I don't know. It's just such a, an amazing resource. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's really really cool, and um, hopefully, hopefully this app and other apps like it will help people sort of get get to the get right to the root of the root of a city or a destination and really find out what's going on. So, like I said, um, it's it's not not available yet. But if you go to um, a, a special landing page on my blog, it's app.gregtodiffer.com. 
uh, you can sign up for uh, for a mailing list, and when it when it's launched, you'll get an email, so you can find out when it comes out. Super. Hopefully, can't wait. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it'll be soon. Yeah, I want to know where Bob Hope used to party at the Ice Factory. Thanks, man. Yeah, check in ninety nine. Oh, really? Right? It was it was the check in ninety nine. That's very interesting. Okay. Yeah, check in ninety nine. That's it. Yeah. So after you've been to check in ninety nine and you need a hotel, um, there's a lot of options there. I mean, you have Airbnb, you have uh, I think Hotel Quickly, you have of course things like Agoda and Expedia and on and on. But even how people book hotels is is a game changer. And I know Greg, you'd mentioned you'd heard people that like can't get a room, but then can get a room or something. Yeah, I mean, working in online travel, you hear stories about this all the time. And there's been a lot of cases where someone has shown up at a hotel and and has uh, said, hey, I'd like a room, or for whatever reason, they didn't book ahead. And they said, sorry, uh, or your room is not available suddenly, or we don't have any rooms for you to take. So the guy just pulls out his, his phone and uses one of however many dozens of apps there are available and books a hotel in or books a room in the hotel while he's standing in the lobby. I've done that before. Have you? You have. I did that in Vietnam. I booked a room at the Rex Hotel. Rex Hotel is that the one right there by the Ho Chi Minh statue? While I was in the lobby of the hotel, yeah. Oh yeah. Why did you do it that way? Because it's cheaper to book it online than it is to to walk in and get the rack rate. You know, that's crazy. Eh? Like it is actually cheaper to book it online, standing in the yeah. lobby of a place. I imagine they're probably not too happy about it either when you turn the phone around and say, "Okay, there's my room." <laughs> yeah. How how do you guys like? think something like airbnb is i i have no experience with it but i mean it's obviously an alternative to a hotel but have you heard tales i mean i've, I've it used it before and and, and you know it's interesting when i was up in chiang mai recently i i used airbnb to look for a room and actually airbnb is used by small guest houses as well just to advertise themselves so like like sometimes it's hard to find a cool little funky small hmm. guest house but because they advertise on Airbnb, it's easy for you to find a room like that. Now, I've looked around in Bangkok as well, just out of curiosity to see what's available. And there's some really nice places available in the city. If you don't mind like sharing somebody's really fancy apartment, like they have a spare bedroom or something like that. But but it's like staying in someone's home. So it's kind of like a homestay in a city, which is kind of a, a different, unique experience. Because again, we were talking about like couch surfing and stuff, like having access to, to people who can actually help you is one of the great things about having access to this technology. Yeah, totally. Hmm. It's like you got your own special insider, somebody you can trust because like a lot of these a lot of these things, like when you're reading a guidebook or something like that, it can feel a little bit impersonal because who knows what's involved in all the behind the scenes stuff. But if you've got a, a person right next to you who's telling you his experiences or her experiences on the ground, it becomes much more relatable, I think. Well, talking about... Uh not knowing somebody and it being potentially awkward. Trevor, you told me a story a couple of weeks ago about people you know that use a dating app when traveling. So they show up in a city <laughs> and crack open this dating app to meet people. What's, yeah, what's someone the story actually, Because again, as a travel writer, I do a lot of my travel alone. So someone had suggested to me, hey, why don't you use one of these these apps where you can you know, meet travel partners or something. And, and they totally were dating apps. You know, it was like, uh, I don't know, travelgirls.com or something like that. And a lot of them seem really, I don't know, silly or seedy or shady. But but then there's other apps like Tinder. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Tinder. It's like a heterosexual version of Grinder, which is just kind of like a, a it's like a hookup app. app. No. But basically, what it does, it tells you the people who have that app that are within, say, like five kilometers of you. 
And then you simply swipe left or right, whether or not you like them or not. Right. And then hmm. you can send them a chat message like, Hey, let's meet for a coffee or something. But, uh, but it seems kind of interesting that like you, it, it's just another opportunity for you when you're traveling, let's say, and you don't know people in that area. Here's a bunch of people who are willing to meet you. And I, and I don't see. So has it worked well for you? Um, you know, again, I haven't really used it that well. No, but you know, I sure your friend did. No, no, my friends have had good success with it. But like, let's say, and when I was in Bali, I did meet a few people through those apps. But but again, I also met people through like couch surfing, and and so I I think the idea is just that with technology now, you have so many more resources to learn information about a destination, to meet people in that destination, to get real time information in that destination. It's just, it's a whole nother ball game and it's still evolving, you know, because I had been working on developing some, some travel apps and some online travel platforms and stuff. And the technology just changes so fast and the market is evolving so quickly that, you know, it's, it's hard to keep up. Yeah. So in closing with this thing, where do you guys see the biggest change or the most exciting new thing happening in the next couple of years? Um, for me, I think I, th I think it'll just be the personalization of travel. I mean, years and years ago, when I first started, you went to the Lonely Planet website and you went on the thorn tree, which is uh, which itself was an evolution right. of a literal thorn tree, where people would back in the you know back in the sixties and seventies and eighties leave notes pinned to a tree uh like hey if you're going to this place make sure to try this restaurant or something like that or hey i'm coming through here in, th in six months i needed someone to share a ride with or whatever you know and the, from that it evolved onto a digital version of that a thorn tree where you post questions and ask and now it's all that's been just given right to your phone so i think i think it'll just the, the travel market will probably fragment um but those individual fragments will become much more niche and much more valuable to the people that they apply to. Well, I also think that like as the technology is evolving, like we have Google Glass now, right? So when you're walking around Tokyo, let's say, and you're looking for a subway station, you're going to get real-time information telling you where to find things, you know, which from, from my perspective as an old school person, like I, I really do travel with a compass still and I, and I like paper maps, you know. Um, and I like to explore. So, so I don't know. I mean, it's going to be so useful, but it's almost going to be too easy. And then I think that like with cell phones and, and video technology, like the, the speed of our connections and stuff, I think you'll be able to get like real time FaceTime, like assistance from local people. I don't know how that's going to work out, but I, I can't imagine us not being able to get like real time concierge service in a city. Like, Hey, you know, where can I get, where can I get my high heel shoe fixed? Cause I broke a heel. Like someone could be like, Oh, and they can direct you. I know a place. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I use all this technology and I think it's fascinating. I think it's great. In a way, I think you're going to see a, a kind of traveler who sort of rebels against it to a certain extent and will almost, it'll become kind of chic and kind of, you know, cool and trendy to actually just go back to a book or make the conscious decision when you travel that, you know what, I'm not going to use Foursquare. I'm not going to go to that site that tells me the best restaurant of the week. I'm just going to, you know, carry my book. And the big part about travel for those people, the hipsters, let's say, will be just figuring it out as it comes and having it all be surprised. Because I think a lot of the surprise is kind of gone, but uh, things sure have changed quick and uh, it'll be exciting to see where things go. All right. Thanks for joining us, Greg. You got anything else you want to say to our listeners? One thing I would say to people is when you travel um, from first-hand experience, 
embrace technology. I, I still meet people that don't use Twitter. They don't really use Facebook and they're still stuck with email. And But I didn't say embrace it, you know, jump headfirst into it because there are very few downsides and there's almost an endless number of upsides to it. So uh, get on Twitter, get download the apps, get on all these kind of things and just start meeting people and you'll be surprised at how quickly your community expands. Cool. Thanks for joining us, Greg. Uh, really good to have you on. No problem. Thanks for asking me. Yeah. And again, that's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast. This is a uh, breaking ground, new technology, uh, high tech stuff we're doing here. And uh, so as we sign out, thanks for joining us again, Greg. Uh, it's Greg Jorgensen and my partner here, Scott Coates. And we'd also like to give a quick shout out to Jamie Rubin, who does our intro and outro music. So uh, as we sign off here, I, I hope you enjoy the sounds of uh, Jamie Rubin's theme song. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall in Port Tom? And-